You're listening to the Arizona Varsity Podcast Network. We'd like to thank our friends at People's Mortgage for sponsoring Arizona Varsity and Arizona's athletes. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance your current mortgage, the experienced team at People's Mortgage is ready to help you. People's Mortgage has been a local lender for over 20 years, and their team has extensive knowledge of the local economy. They'll find the loan that best fits your needs. Rachel Lowe, so connect with them today at 602-714-2555. That's 602-714-2555. Find out why they say at People's Mortgage, it's all about the people. AZBK0904164 NMLS6274 Equal Housing Lender. AALL Insurance is locally owned and locally operated. Everybody needs insurance, especially young drivers. Give the people who support Arizona Varsity and Arizona high school athletes a chance to support your insurance needs. AALL Insurance. Click the link in the show description to find out more. What's going on, everybody? Zach Alvira here. Quick little editor's note for this episode of the Take It Easy Sports Show. Uh, majority of this episode was recorded on Monday, December 28th, before Eric and I were made aware of how serious our good friend Andy and his battle with COVID-19 was. Unfortunately, as many of you may know now, Andy did unfortunately pass away uh, on Tuesday, December 29th in the early morning hours. Eric and I did jump in and record a new outro, which is mostly just a tribute to Andy and everything he meant to us and and how much obviously we're gonna miss him um so make sure to stick around towards the end of the episode for that in the meantime uh take a listen to the first half that we recorded talking about the suns the cardinals and uh, an interview with our friend Brittany boyer as well andy we love you we miss you and uh you know to kelly and his family uh we're very sorry for your loss What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Take It Easy Sports Show here on ArizonaVarsity.com. My name is Zach Alvaro, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Newman. Eric, how you doing tonight? I'm good. Uh, we are getting toward the end of the year. 2020 has been wild. My birthday is tomorrow. Um, it, holidays are always a weird time for me just because of the um, the new year, the Christmas, my birthday. It's all kind of one big thing i'm not i'm not too much into celebrating it heavily but it's just a lot of things in a row um it's always a weird time of year kind of reflecting and everything but i'm good it's uh i can't complain being in arizona during the winter well for those listening we're recording on monday so that is december 28th eric's birthday is tuesday december 29th so even if you hear this after that make sure to go wish him a happy belated birthday and eric let me be the first maybe maybe the first i don't know to say happy early birthday and uh, i'll make sure to text you as well maybe not at midnight because i'll probably be already asleep after i go work out but you know uh my friend tomas who's a big listener to this show texted me i think two days ago he thought it was the uh a different day so you're not the first <laughs> but you're the first to recognize that it was early got it okay okay i'll take that i'll take that um you know i'm also doing pretty well i know you didn't ask but i'm gonna tell you anyway although i am gonna say um i'm a little heartbroken as we sit here and uh record this again monday 
currently happening right now is Monday Night Football between the Buffalo Bills and New England Patriots. Now, normally I wouldn't really care, but I'm currently playing for the championship in my fantasy football league. I have Josh Allen, I have Stephon Diggs, and I have Tyler Bass, who is the Buffalo Bills kicker, going up against the one player, quote-unquote, that my opponent has left is the Bills defense. So far, things aren't looking too bad as far as the Bills defense getting a ton of points, but my guys aren't getting very many points either. We're almost midway through the second quarter, and I'm still down by like 50. So, you know, it looks like I'm not really going to get the uh, the main prize uh, for our fantasy football league, which is okay. There's a consolation, but I really, really wanted to win. You know, bragging rights. I was in the championship last year, actually lost that one. So I really don't want to go out two years in a row, but so far not looking too well. Um, you know, stick to my Twitter and we'll see if I'm uh, if I'm happy or not. But, you know, a tough draw for me in the matchup scale. Um, Patriots actually have a pretty good defense. So um, I don't know. You're not really into fantasy football, are you? Nope. And why not? I spent too much time on it when I was younger. I'm telling you, I started playing in like 2005, like really, maybe 06, something like that. I started playing when I was in middle school and I just, I got sucked into it and I would spend hours and hours and hours and whatever. And it, I just, I can't do it anymore. It, uh, it sucked too much time out of my day. Uh, and I just got unduly stressed. So, I'm glad other people can enjoy it, but I can't. Okay, fair enough. What about fantasy basketball? I used to really like fantasy basketball, and then I found yeah. myself um, just kind of getting annoyed. Like that in bat, I mean, in fantasy all around, it's not always just the quote unquote best players, but especially the way fantasy basketball is um, is done, you can have someone have an amazing night and still not get as many points because someone got not just that they had 30, someone else had 30 points, but your guy got five rebounds and five steals and whatever. And it's just, it, it's hard to know what's actually beneficial to look for. Um, so I just, I don't know. It, it got too much for me. I love basketball. It's one of my favorite sports, but I couldn't do it anymore either. Also, I mean, changing the lineup every day, is yeah too much that's the thing that's what people that's who, exactly sorry go ahead who do well are the ones that are on there every day and you can gain a decent amount of points just by every day switching in i mean it might even be someone's fourth best starter on the uh on a tuesday night game or whatever but you get points based off of that and everything so it's um it's just a game of who's able to for a hundred plus nights every single day just change it up that's the point that i was going to bring up is the reason why i don't really do fantasy basketball or fantasy baseball anymore because every single day there's a new game a new lineup you have to create you know football is just it's easier to do it that way um you know i can spend maybe in not even an hour maybe like gosh 10 minutes you know tweaking my lineup maybe making one or two little changes before the start of the games, and then I'm good. I don't have to touch it the rest of the week. You know what I mean? So, yeah, and that, that's why I haven't I haven't played fantasy basketball in a few years, at least fantasy baseball, probably even longer than that. 
I think I joined a fantasy baseball league with my friends and they actually ended up like kicking me out because I like literally just didn't even touch my lineup. So, you know, but whatever. I played one um, year of uh I played one year of fantasy EPL. Um the English league which was okay. I don't really remember. It's been a long time. It's probably 6 or 7 years since I did that, but um I ended up like the I love soccer. I think it's great, but especially in the English Premier League when it's not like World Cup season or it's not um the big tournaments, even the big club tournaments, but when it's just the English Premier League season, the games start at like 7 a.m. our time, um, maybe even earlier sometimes on a Saturday. I'm like, okay, I'm not doing that. Um, I'm not waking up to watch those games. And then if you don't watch the games, you have no idea what's going on, and it's just guessing game from that point. So I couldn't do English Whoa. Premier League anymore. Let me ask you this. Obviously, it might be pretty similar to baseball, but you know, soccer, those matches are, you know, they could be one nothing. So yep. how how did the point system work in fantasy soccer? Um, it ended up goals were obviously a big deal, but it's things like tackles and saves and um, like passing percentage. I think was one of them. Um, but yeah, because in in football and baseball, it's all about the counting stats. But this was more. There were some percentages, and obviously you got a good amount of points if you had an assist or a. Uh, um or a goal but there it was it was a little bit more difficult to follow i i don't even remember it completely um because you're right soccer so much of like of a a non-accounting stat game um so it's it's tough to really classify who's better and who's not yeah when you did do fantasy um any sport really did you prefer the snake draft style or did you prefer the auction that's a tough one I think auction requires more skill, obviously, but I never wanted to. I mean, it's also like a three-hour endeavor to do that, um, and that's it. the people I hang out with usually aren't reliable enough to. There's always someone who's going to screw up their internet connection or whatever, and you never get it correct. Um, so snake drafts easy, um, and there's still some skill to it. Like you take someone before their projected does well or whatever what about mm. you um i always preferred the snake draft because i felt like it was a little bit easier because i knew like when i was gonna pick and everything um but we've done auction the last two years now and i have to say it's very fun yeah now the only thing um so this past draft i think it, we did our draft sometime in uh, we would have to have been august right yeah sometime in august we did our draft um and it just so happens that I was actually on the day that we were drafting, I was actually in El Paso because I was helping coach a youth football team and we actually traveled to El Paso for a game. So I literally got done helping coach that team. And then I had to jump on my phone because we were staying at the field for, you know, our, our organization had several teams there. Um, and one of the younger teams was playing right after us against another like nationally ranked team, or I don't really know how that works, but Anyway, um, so we stayed at the field um, instead of going back to the hotel room with my buddy who I was with. And so I didn't have my computer. So the thing with the auction draft, for those that don't really know, the key is if you want a specific player, basically bid as high as you think 
initially, like right away, like when you offer him up, you know, put as much money as you think that you can get him for right away. That way you can secure him and potentially save some funds down the road. Now, the only problem with me being on my phone instead of my computer, I couldn't edit my bid. So every single player, like for example, like I said, I have Josh Allen. When I wanted Josh Allen, I had to start the bid at $1. So the, the price just keeps going up and up and up. And if I want the quarterback in this case, I had to keep one. I had to pay attention a lot more than I maybe usually would if I just threw like, I don't know, 25 bucks out there for Josh Allen. Um, but I literally had to, every time someone would bid more, I'd have to put another dollar in, another dollar in. I couldn't do any more than that. And it was really frustrating because it made the process so much longer than it really had to be. And it, honestly, that probably was the reason I didn't get some players because some of my you know friends that i'm in the league with caught on that i couldn't bid more than just a dollar at a time so they would just keep driving up the price until i literally would just say like you know screw it i'm not going to try to get this guy then i'll go after someone else and then you know they'd be stuck with whoever it was but usually it was a good player if i was willing to go high enough for it but yeah it, it was frustrating um so never again will i not bring my computer with me or at least not you know be able to get to my computer before an auction draft you, um, but you, I think it kind of worked out because I was first place all year long and I'm in the championship game. So the one thing about fantasy sports, uh, and this applies for all of them is if you're just a, a fan of a certain team or you just watch casually or whatever, it's hard to remember all the good players from all the different teams or all the impactful players. But if you're playing fantasy, you really have to know everybody. Um, I mean, uh, that doesn't count the offensive line and, really most defense unless you're one who plays uh with a defense but um or a defensive player a lot of teams do but um you you really have to know all the skill players and you have to know the quarterbacks mm -hmm. and who's doing what what week and everything um it really forces you if you're a fan to pay attention more than you even were so that's one i mean i don't dislike it it just um it isn't necessarily my thing because i I'm neurotic and it's just one more thing to add my neuroses to. And then one thing too, that I want to bring up to, especially this year, I think I was a lot more invested because of COVID. Obviously they're getting tested every day. So in a normal year, I would just look at, you know, the injury reports, not even actually, I wouldn't even look at the injury reports. I would just see what Schefter and, and uh, Ian Rappaport tweet out and say, who's injured, who's not blah, blah, blah. This year, I had to check their Twitters every single day because it seems like every single day there was a new player that was getting on the COVID list. For sure. Or a team that may have been shut down. Like one of my losses this year was because I pulled uh, I pulled Josh Allen, I pulled Stephon Diggs, and I also pulled Derrick Henry because the Bills were playing the Titans. But if you remember, it was that week that the game got flexed to Tuesday at like 4 p.m., but it was still up in the air as to whether or not they would actually play. I ended up losing that week because I pulled those three guys because I wasn't sure they were actually going to play. So it was, yeah, it, it was one of those situations where like literally any given day, you could have been without your top player. And not only that, but there was a ton of injuries this year. I mean, Saquon Barkley went down right away. Um, you know, Joe Burrow went down towards the midway point of the season. Um, I know I'm missing several others, obviously, but yeah, it was like, it was just yeah. a weird season overall. Um, I remember very specifically the, I don't remember the year 
itself, but I remember um, I was, I mean, I'm from Minnesota. Uh, Adrian Peterson is one of my all-time favorite players. He was so amazing um, back when he was the starter for the Vikings, but I got him number one overall in a draft, and that was the year that he was banned all year from uh, from football, and I just that was the that was the starting of the spiral. I played quite a few years after that, but you know it just started something that uh, was irreversible and things like that. And it's like, oh, you wasted all your either your auction money or um, your your first overall pick on a guy that didn't play all year. It's like, what what can you do? It's just complete dumb luck. And people, um, I mean, people probably, unless you make some comeback, whoever had Alvin Kamara in their fantasy league this year just won um, because of how great he did on Saturday. So it's just, there's so much luck to it. You can be the absolute most astute, uh, read every single thing and still be completely wrong. So it's really funny that you bring up um, Alvin Kamara, and I will tell you exactly which team has him, and you're going to find this incredibly funny and also weird. Um, This guy in our league, he's actually the creator of the league. Now, I'm going to run down his starting lineup, but there's holes in it because he finished 4-9 and and was like second to last place. But when you hear his lineup, you're going to wonder how – the hell he finished in like second to last place russell wilson aaron jones alvin Kamara, julio jones um terry mclaurin he had michael thomas he had um mike evans antonio brown keenan allen uh dallas go go dare sorry james white fitzpatrick Derek carr and zach Ertz. and he finished four and nine <laughs> i can tell you why he didn't do very well because half those guys aren't playing most of the time well and that's exactly why though that's what i'm saying with the injury aspect of everything um i mean my team like i don't so we're we run a two quarterback system so my team i mean really the heavy hitters for me are definitely my quarterbacks like i've got kyler murray josh allen like i mentioned already derrick henry nick chubb stefan diggs Uh, i picked up deontay johnson from the steelers on the waivers which was an incredible pickup um, I've got TJ Hawkinson, who I made the mistake of starting him over Mark Andrews, local Desert Mountain alum. Um, Miles Gaskin, I picked up from Miami and that was a tremendous pickup on my part, but then I run into problems with guys like Raheem Mostert who literally have been hurt all year long. So I haven't been able to use him. So, I mean, that's where, that's where kind of the issues that my team has had at times. Now I finished with only four losses. And three of those were because I didn't have both Murray and Allen in my lineup. So, you know, whatever. And I may get a fifth loss depending on how tonight goes. But, you know, Josh Allen threw a touchdown and uh, I'm down by like 40 now. So we're, we're creeping back into it. We'll see what happens. But let's touch on real football for a second here. Good. The, the Cardinals dropped the game against San Francisco. Terrible performance, honestly, by both sides of the football. But... They got some help from other teams, and now if they beat a Rams team without Jared Goff, they are in the playoffs. How big is this game on Sunday? I mean, it's huge. It 
Rams were right near this position last year. They were um, the first team out. They were just a spot away. If there had been seven playoff teams, they would have been in. Um, and two years ago, they were in the Super Bowl. The Rams are a talented team. Um, and the Cardinals are kind of a weird squad, to put it lightly. Because um, sometimes they look amazing, and other times they don't look like they know what they're doing. So... It's it's crazy that it's gotten to this point. Um, if you had said, uh, I mean, I don't bet, but if I did, the Cardinals over the 49ers this last week would have been a pretty much a surefire thing for most people because the 49ers don't have a lot to play for. They're not even playing in their home stadium anymore. Um, and Arizona had everything on the line. So, I don't know. I We don't know who is going to be quarterbacking the Rams. Um, right now, it looks like this dude, Walford, who has never started an NFL game before. He's from the Hot Shots. From the, the Hot Shots. Um, yeah. Hot Shots reign. If they end up winning and um, the Hot Shots quarterback beats Kyler Murray, um, there's something weird about that. You know, with all due respect to, uh, to the Hot Shots, I think if the Rams beat the Cardinals on Sunday, it won't be wolford beaten murray of i think course. it's gonna I'm be just just the rams i think it'll be the rams defensive line beating kyler murray yeah um agreed but you know we'll see like aaron donald maybe the best defensive tackle we've seen in 20 years oh yeah of course that. of course uh let's 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 jump to basketball really quick we talk about fantasy basketball we'll talk about real basketball uh phoenix suns two and one to start the year close law or yeah close loss to the kings obviously uh, they play the Pelicans on Tuesday. Then they've got the Jazz and the Nuggets on Friday. Um, Chris Paul seems to be making a pretty good difference already. Yeah, man, they're they're fun. I've watched every minute of all uh, three games this season. We're recording this on Monday. They have the day off until tomorrow. But um, yeah, they struggled in the loss against the Kings. But even in a bad game, they still um, had chances at the end that they could have gone ahead. It's going to take a while before um, they really click on all cylinders. I think a lot of the teams are going to be that way. Um, but especially one like them that went through a big change this offseason, um, they're going to have to you know, work together and kind of figure that out after a short um, stint. And I think that th- it really feels different. Like they, they feel like they know how to win, and maybe I'll be eating these birds in – a few weeks when they go on a bad run or something like that, but they're, they're fun. And I think that this is the most exciting Phoenix Suns team that there's been in a really long time. I know you hate predictions and everything, but where do you see this team by the time the end of the regular season comes along? I don't know. Maybe around the seven or eight seed would be my guess. I think that they're going to be um, in the playoff hunt all year. Who knows how they'll finish, but I would not be surprised if late in the season, they're competing for playoffs. So if we're talking about seven or eight seed, then we're probably talking about them playing either the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Mavericks. I'm would be my top three in the Western Conference That's personally. Um, so let me ask you this: Obviously, one thing that Phoenix Suns fans want to see is them breaking through to the playoffs. Would it be asking too much this year to get a playoff victory as well? I think it just depends on um, if they're able to get, you know, better than a. Um than a seven or eight, I think yeah. that the the drop off between that first three that you mentioned and everybody else is um, pretty drastic right now. So if they can mm-hmm. manage to get 
uh, an easier matchup, maybe, but I don't see them beating the Lakers or uh, the Mavericks in a seven-game series um, unless something really crazy happens, like someone got injured or um, Mikhail Bridges becomes a, a triple-double threat every single night. Um, but, you know, the, there's it's hard to nitpick when they haven't been in the playoffs in a trillion years, and now they actually have a chance to get there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one more. Do you think the Mavericks can beat the Lakers for the Western Conference uh, championship? Depends how good Porzingis plays. Um, yep. He is, I mean, you know what you're going to get from Luka Doncic, but Porzingis is the guy that they traded for him. They traded a lot for him, um, and they, they're really staking their future on him being an all-star player and playing that way in the playoffs. If he can do that, and, I mean, there's no one like him, um, Anthony Davis is about as close. They're they're very they're both mobile and big uh, is the comparison between them. But um, you know, there's not really a lot of people like Kristaps. Um, kind of the same type of guy. I know people. It, it's kind of a cliche reference, but he reminds me a lot of Dirk. Um, he actually he's kind of a better shot blocker than Dirk Nowitzki was on that same team. But um, in terms of a guy who can shoot. Um, and play all aspects of the offense from um, being that size. I think that they're really in a good position. And quick disclaimer too, um, you know, obviously I'm not writing off the Clippers, but of I only brought up the Mavericks because they absolutely dismantled the Clippers the other night. Oh, it was crazy. So, you know, I had, I just kind of had to, you know, point out the fact that the Mavericks are probably just about as good as they're advertised to be. And we could very well see them, back in the Western Conference Finals and potentially even in the finals. Um, you know, and I'm honestly I think well who who would be the East representative? Maybe Miami again or Brooklyn. Milwaukee struggled the night against the Knicks, which was surprising. That's gonna be a toss up. Yeah. I, I I was on it were you surprised by that score with the with the Bucks and the Knicks? Yes. Um but like I said before Teams are going to have growing pains. Um, we'll see. I think that the Bucks are going to be fine. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Eric, it's been a while since we've done this, but uh, we're going to go ahead and... Whoa, hang on. First off, update on my fantasy. Uh, apparently, while I was turned away from the TV, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs went off. Um, I, I know you don't care. But just for the record, I'm now down by only six points, Dude, and there's still a full second half to be played. I am extremely happy right now. Um, back to back to more important things. Um, Eric, it's been a while since we've done this. Uh, our Meet the Media segment. We've kind of turned it into more of just like an interview kind of segment with, you know, different media members. We interviewed, uh, you know, AI Executive Director David Hines. We interviewed, um, you know, a couple coaches on here. Um we're going to go back to kind of the media side of things. And we're going to bring on someone who has really built their own platform for themselves. And for those that don't understand this reference, you will understand it very soon. But Eric, are you ready to get lit? I am indeed. Let's get to it. Right on. Let's do it. Brittany Boyer, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on. I am so excited to be here. Hey, I saw earlier that your Josh Allen jersey came in today, uh, and I know Eric is going to get super mad at me again, but he is helping lead me to a fantasy football championship wow. right now against the Patriots. 
All I have to say is that I think Newman might have picked some people to, uh, I should pick the wrong people to be on his team if he's upset. Sorry, Newman. But, he doesn't uh, play. He actually doesn't play. We actually had this conversation before we brought you on. I don't play either. I'm the same way, but I do like individual players. And Josh Allen is somebody that I've been watching throughout the years, and his improvement has been absolutely astronomical. It's like mind blowing because you know you don't you can't really teach someone accuracy, but how he's improved, you know, seventy percent passing accuracy is just absolutely nuts. So I'm excited to watch him keep rolling this year. Yeah, and I know our friend Ralph really loves seeing him have so much success as well. Obviously, you know, Ralph is from Wyoming. Josh Allen went to Wyoming, so yep. you know. Um, but let's let's not talk about Josh Allen as much unless he, you know, gives me a lead and I might break in if, if that happens. But it's also halftime, so maybe not. Um I'm quitting. Let's talk you about you that. a little bit, Brittany. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna talk about you a little bit, Brittany. Um, you have really built your own brand, uh, doing just about everything. I mean, I know at one point you were doing uh, color commentary for ASU Gymnastics. Yep. I know you were doing, obviously, you do some freelance work for me at the Tribune. You know, you worked alongside Eric when you guys were at Cronkite together in the Sports Bureau. You've done stuff for All Sports Tucson. The list goes on and on. What has given you this much drive to succeed and build your brand the way that you have? Um, Honestly... <laughs> kind of just the desire to do it my own way. You know, everyone always says you have to go to a small market to get started. And um, I really didn't want to do that, you know, to pick up your whole entire life and have to sacrifice everything to move to a place where you're going to be miserable. You're not going to make a ton of money when you can kind of try to blaze your own path. Like, why would you not try to just do it that way? You know, it might be a little bit harder. It might not be the traditional way, but, um, that's been my motivation behind it, and uh, there have definitely been the tribulations that come with that. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people who follow me on any sort of social media know that this year has been absolutely nuts, to say the least, for me. Um, I know it has been for a lot of people, but mentally it's been really tough for me to uh, keep going, but I've found somewhere that my desire to continue doing this is stronger than my desire to walk away from it after, you know, failing. And it took me a long time to realize that, you know, failure is okay. It's okay to not be successful at everything. So I'm slowly learning that, um, you know, you grow with time and uh, I'll slowly get there, but I'm getting there. I mean, what got you interested in sports in the first place, Brittany? Because, uh, I mean, you went to... You went to Cronkite uh, for graduate school. I know you graduated from ASU. I don't remember. Did you graduate from uh, the Cronkite school undergrad as well? I did not. So okay. um, I really don't have a solid story for how I got into sports, to be 100% honest. Um, I actually started undergrad at ASU with no idea what I was doing because the school I went to did not prepare us in any way, shape, or form for real life. So it kind of smacked us in the face really hard. Like, not just myself, but a lot of my former high school classmates also struggled with the transition. So I went in thinking I was really good at math and science and very quickly realized that that is not my strong point at all. I'm actually a really good writer and I'm much more of a creative person, but for so long I was really boxed in. So when I got to college, um, 
and very quickly learned math and science were not my thing as I failed statistics uh, my freshman year. I have an E on my transcript, but, um, you know, you kind of keep rolling with things, and I tried business. That wasn't for me either, and um, I did one of those exploratory classes and found communication would be a good match, so I did that. In one of my classes for my minor, or for communication that I had to take, um, was a sports journalism class. It was like one of your elective classes. And that led to me deciding to pursue a minor in uh, media, what is it? Uh, media relations, something. Uh, I don't even know what my minor's in. How bad is that? Um, <laughs> I should know. But it was the only thing that they offered a minor in from the Cronkite school at the time. So that was what I decided. Media analysis, it just came to me. Anyways, that was all they had the, the minor in. But um, it was going to be quicker for me to get a minor, and if I wanted to actually pursue journalism, go back and get my master's, and they said it would actually probably be better for me to do that anyways, so I decided to go that route and kind of start working on my own before I went back to school, and that's kind of how I got into sports. Um, I don't, I always have loved watching sports, I guess, and so covering it and having the chance to be creative and paint a a picture or tell a story in a way that that's why I like writing because you're able to tell a story differently than if it's just video video it's everyone sees something and they can interpret it in their own way but when you write something I don't know there's just something so magical about it you know you just mentioned obviously that you weren't that great at at stats and all that stuff so I have to ask I know it's not the same thing but I felt complied to ask when I told you to do stats for me when it comes to writing game stories and everything, did it freak you out a little bit? Uh, 100%. Because <laughs> I was like, there's no way I can do this. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I did stats at Cronkite because that was part of our master's program was sports stats. And I got like a 98% in that. But there's okay. still part of me that's like, you know, that initial like, you know, it, it's statistics, statistics, yep. statistics, like that word gets you and it makes you nervous every time because, you know, you did mess up before at that badly but um I think when you break it down for sports and there's just a whole lot less really complex math that goes into sports statistics for the most part I mean with the exception of some baseball calculations yeah um, like there's a lot less complex math yeah sports statistics is really the only math that I'm actually good at so I'm right there with you um I want to talk about your kind of I'll call it a show for the most part. Uh, it's just like a two-minute thing you do on Twitter. Uh, it's called It's Lit with Brit. First off, where does the name come from? And two, you know, how do you find the time to actually do that? And I know I've seen you. When you were covering one of the basketball championship games for me, I think it was actually just last year, I remember walking in and seeing you actually filming one of those on the main concourse at um, – Man, what's it called? I don't remember what the what their arena is called now, but where the where the Arizona State basketball teams play. Um, arena, yeah, probably yes. during one of the men's games last year. Um, I did one with James Poovey at halftime for the Desert Vista Mountain Point game. Um, so the name came from it goes all the way back to when I was at Cronkite with uh, one of my old classmates, Amanda Whitaker, and we used to do a little ASU thing. Um, it was like ASU football updates called It's Lit with Brit and Wit, because we needed something that was catchy, something that rhymed, and, you know, we just had so much time to kill sometimes in between practice and the press conferences that we would just go outside and just do our own thing and have some fun, and 
um, after she moved away, I kind of decided to revisit that idea and play with it and see how I could bring it back. Um, at first, I tried something that was a little bit of a longer show that was like once a week, but it was so much harder to do. And I thought, you know, it needs to be something quick because the last thing I want to do sometimes is sit down and watch something that's long and drawn out. So quick to the point, And that was what I tried to do. Twitter limits you to two minutes and 20 seconds. I talk super fast. <laughs> and if you know me in person, you've already experienced that. But on It's Lit with Brit, sometimes I feel like I can't even say everything I need to say in my two minutes and 20 seconds. But um, it's, it's hard to find the time. And it's all about having the motivation, which I'm not going to lie. I've definitely lacked in the last, definitely in the last nine months or so. I have not been on it. But I'm looking to hope, not hopefully, I'm going to 100% get back on my game starting next week, you know. I don't want to say new year, new me, but um, I have been trying to reverse some of my bad habits that I've let myself get into this year. So I'm working on slowly climbing my way back out of that hole. So I'll be making time for those again starting next week. And, you know, normally it doesn't take that long. You kind of just have to think about what you're going to say and then just go. You know, the more you think about it, the longer it ends up taking you because then you have to look oh, wait, I messed up, stop, redo it. Or you think about it too much, and then you don't know if you like the way you said something. So, you know, I try to just go in there with, like, the in mentality of, you know, it's just, this is your shot, go for it, seize the opportunity. And um, I kind of look at it every single opportunity like that. What do you want to eventually do? Um and I know you've been saying that you don't know it's been hard to be motivated and everything. So I don't know if you've even been thinking much about this recently. But um, what is the ultimate goal? You, I know you've said that you really love writing uh, and you enjoy doing these short videos. Do you have a like a an aspiration of what you would like to do eventually? I do. And it's kind of hard to explain because I feel like the job that I really want to do has not been created yet. So I feel like... As both of you know, the world that of journalism that we're currently working in is a rapidly changing environment, and the landscape of journalism now is different even from the landscape of journalism five years ago in 2015. So um, I would hope that in some way, shape, or form in the future, I'd be able to have a job ideally where I could be, you know, some sort of writer and still provide breaking news updates but do feature stories that also bring a video sort of element to it as well so I can uh, really work on that skill. You know, I think it's great to be able to have both and encompass both, and it really gives your story more depth because then if you can have a video element with the story, it can be kind of like a separate side piece that um, just gives it a deeper meaning maybe. Um, and so if you were able to get all of those things kind of and put them into one package, that would be my dream ideal job. Um, and I don't want to say it's working for a network or working for a certain publication. Um, I just want to work and do what makes me happy and feel like I'm telling stories of people who are doing great things that maybe otherwise wouldn't have been told. I don't know. I just want to keep growing and enjoying journalism and as long as I enjoy it that's really my main goal I know you're into football you're into a lot of the main sports that a lot of people like but I I know you also have a passion for 
um, some other sports that don't get as much coverage. And that was pretty apparent when we did um, the Cronkite News Bureau. You were really into covering things like mixed martial arts and gymnastics. And I know you did mm-hmm. a really big cheerleading story those years. Um, is is that kind of a passion of yours still as well? Yes. Everything like that, telling those kinds of stories, anything to that effect is what I absolutely love to do because I feel like it gets to um, bring something else to light besides just your everyday game story. I mean, <clears throat> it's easy to go go to a game, say, X, Y, and Z, so-and-so did this. It's a lot harder to talk to somebody and just ask them some questions about something and be able to craft kind of an entire piece um, based on just a couple questions of what you've asked them and kind of some information you've been able to gather um, off stats or just by watching them and observing them. Um, it, it's truly one of those things that's just so awesome and it, it, I feel like it's a skill. You know, I actually just did a story on Chaparral's defense and I reread it today for like the third time. And still to this day, it's one of the pieces I think I'm the most proud of that I did this year um, to be able to write something like that and have that sort of effect with your, your words, be able to craft that. It's just, it's an unbelievable feeling. Brittany, I'm going to change the subject completely here and we can get back to this. But I want to hear more, and uh, we've talked very briefly about this before, but you're the only person I know um, personally that has done uh, an official mixed martial arts fight. Um, Do you think about that one often? So I haven't actually done an official mixed martial arts fight. I did an official Muay Thai fight, but no takedowns or anything, because I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of a pansy, and I was not ready for that at that point. But, um... I've thought about going back to the gym. Actually, I think about it way more than I should compared to the fact that I haven't actually gotten up and gone and trained since August, but um, maybe it was September. It's been a long time, though. I need to get back to the gym, but I do think about that, and it is something I would like to get back to because I am passionate about it Um, just for training purposes as well. I think it's something that is really a sport but also a skill set that you can use as you grow older and continue to do as you grow older um but yeah I would love to get back in there and possibly get another fight you know maybe it's time it might be time to unleash the beast of who knows how'd you get into that um I was okay so I lost 40 pounds this year but like the weight that I was at earlier this year was kind of like my heaviest point I had hit in my life one other time before. And I looked in the mirror and was like, I got to do something. And I had a lot of, I felt like built up and like rage because, um, I had just lost a bunch of people who were really close to me, um, to deaths and I just felt lost. And so, um, I had saw a boxing gym that wasn't very far from my house and decided I would drive by and, get some information. And so I stopped in, they had some free trial classes and I tried it out and I absolutely fell in love with it. And then, um, I started just doing like cardio classes and my coach pulled me to the side and was like, Hey, I want you to meet this girl, Vanessa, who actually is one of my best friends now. But, um, he's like, she has a fight coming up and I think you'd be a really good sparring partner for her. So I actually had like no intentions of ever fighting, but then he made me 
start getting like punched in the face by this girl who actually was really good and used to only spar all guys. So I had to step up my game quick. And that's how I kind of got into it. And, uh, you know, I saw her fight and go through a lot of her camps and I was there for that. And it made me think about it. And then I started dating a guy who was in the UFC and I was there for a lot of his fights and his camps. And that made me also think about it because I saw a lot of the uh, backside and the ugly side of what goes into it. Like, it is not pretty. I know a, a lot of people see the fight life and it seems glamorous, but there is so much, just oh, so much turmoil and it's a lot to have to live that kind of life. And I don't know if I want to go through a beating like that every single day, but um, that was what got me into it. And I, I still like to just train and spar even if it was just for fun as long as it wasn't like super hard because you know I would have to go into work the next day and I didn't always want to have a black eye um I've had that a couple times one time um I think I've told Newman this story before but that's actually how I had gotten into it so I had moved to a different gym where my ex was training at uh, the MMA lab it's pretty notorious in Arizona as being one of the biggest MMA gyms but when I was over there I met Lauren Murphy so Lauren is the I want to say she's the number four ranked 125 pound female fighter right now but um, I met her when she was still fighting in the 135 pound weight class was just signed by the UFC um, had been coming in off of an Invicta championship at her old gym in Texas but was moving here permanently to fight out of this new gym and you know she didn't really have a lot of girls to train with but she met a solid group of us and I was kind of one of them that she pulled in under her wing and so throughout that time I got to help her prepare for some of her big UFC fights you know back in 2016 she had a fight against this one girl Kelly Fashels and she got fight of the night knocked the girl out with like three seconds left but um the weekend I want to say it was the weekend or two weeks before that fight she punched me in the nose and broke my nose and like I still feel honored by that because I feel like I helped her get ready for that finish in a way (laughs) and get that big bonus but um yeah it's it's an amazing sport. It's an awesome sport. It brings so many people together. And, you know, it's actually really fun. I know people think it's gruesome and all, but the actual basis of martial arts itself is really about respect. And it's a great sport to uh, look into. I never thought I would hear anyone say that they were honored to get punched in the face. Yeah, I, it's, it's an awesome thing to say. But, you know, when you see someone... You know, you're putting in this work, this extra work on like a Sunday afternoon and you get rocked. And I remember like I got punched in the face. My nose just started bleeding and I just stopped and I wanted like I I wanted to completely just like walk out and be done. But I like took a deep breath and I'm like, oh, my God, okay, keep going. You know, so it's one of those moments where it's like, okay, it was worth it. It was worth it. You know, she just shined. You could not ask for a better performance. That's crazy. Um, not to go completely away from that, because that's incredibly interesting. Um, but I want to know what has been your favorite story that you've written, not just this year. I know you already mentioned the one about Chaparral's defense, but ever, and it may not even be a story that you've written. What has kind of been your favorite project that you've worked on in your time as a sports journalist? Mm. I think I've had two. One of them was written and actually, no, I wrote both of them, but one of them I liked doing more from a visual aspect um the other one I like doing more from a written aspect the one I like doing from a written aspect that was my favorite story I ever wrote goes back to 2017 
and it was when I was still at Cronkite, and I had to find someone uh, to publish one of my stories for one of Paula Bovin's classes. And um, I approached Ralph, and Ralph had used some of my basketball stories, and he actually had said, you know what, I have an idea for you. I want you to go to Sanders, Arizona, which is this little town, like 13 miles east of the New Mexico border. Um, If you just go heading east once you get to Flagstaff, I don't even know what the highway is, to be honest. Um, But he sent me up there to do a story about uh, the girls' basketball team up there and res ball. And I interviewed probably 30 people while I was up there that day just to try to get a feel of how much basketball means to that community and, um, you know, how res ball came about. And it was probably one of the most powerful stories I got to write. And I got to go see a completely different part of Arizona, a completely different part of the high school scene. Um, and, you know, a really good group of girls that don't get a ton of coverage but have a ton of potential and they sell out the arenas in Prescott. It's crazy, crazy to me how fast tempo and like fun res ball is to watch. But um, that was my favorite written story. My other favorite story I think I did that was a visual story was there was a quarterback at ASU from 1955 to 1959 who came back in 2017 for the homecoming uh, game and they were honoring him at halftime on the field. But prior to that, the Pac-12 Network was going to be doing this little segment on him, and I was writing a story on him as well. So I had already scheduled with uh, the ASU athletic department to meet up with him for the interview at the stadium in the afternoon. And I didn't know that they also had scheduled for the Pac-12 Network to come through, and they were going to mic him up and do a walkthrough. Um. Well, the Pac-12 Network had actually already contacted me earlier that week to do the ASU Homecoming Parade and said, hey, why don't we just mic you up for this interview and we'll just record you walking through the stadium with him and you can ask him whatever questions since you know about Sun Devil football history. Um, And that was probably one of the coolest experiences because for two hours I got to walk around the brand new, like just opened Sun Devil Stadium and see the new locker room, the inside, you know, get to really go look at the history that they had on the walls and talk to him about his memories of certain games. And if you've ever been inside of the ASU facility, there's a certain part where they have all of the games against U of A, like marked off with what the final score was and who won and lost right next to a doorway. And he walked up to those and pointed to his four years and was talking about how great that four-year stretch was, how U of A never once beat them. And, you know, it was just one of those super amazing moments to be a part of, to talk to somebody who had that much uh, tied to ASU history. And really, just to be in front of him and walking through such a privileged area to be in you know to be in that part of the facility is not an easy task to get that's awesome uh Brittany before we let you go tonight I just want to uh kind of ask you really quick what is next for you in your journalism career so right now I am still freelancing with All Sports Tucson and SB Live which is a new site that's coming into Arizona they're actually based out of the west coast and they're moving east It sounds really funky to say that, but they kind of uh, 
skipped over most of the states in the mid- middle and just went right to Missouri and started coverage in Missouri as well. So there's like Oregon, Washington, California, and Missouri right now, and Arizona's just getting started. Uh, there's me and Brandon Jones on board right now, and we are expanding the team, I think, coming up. But anyways, so I'm writing for both of them still, and we'll see what else comes along in the spring. You know, hopefully more opportunities to do stuff for ASU Gymnastics. I'm not really sure what's going on with them right now because they haven't posted a schedule yet. So I'm not sure if I'll be doing any uh, play-by-play for their live streams or not, but I would love to do more of that. And, um, you know, I would love to get in front of the camera more if any opportunities like that are available. So we'll see what happens. That's awesome. Good to hear. And obviously, uh, you know, if I ever need help, I know I can always reach out to you as well. So <laughs> expect a text or a phone call, at least from me, uh, you know, probably pretty soon here. Uh, but in the meantime, you've always had my back. Anytime I need staff, I always put you up frantically in a hurry. You and Newman both help me out in the wind. Well, I, I can speak for Eric when I say that we're happy to do it. Um, Brittany, really quick, give yourself a plug. Uh, tell us where yep. we can all find your work. Um, I know you have your own website as well. So, you know, kind of go ahead and plug yourself. I do. So you can find me at bboyer07 on Twitter, or you can go to my website, Brittany Boyer Sports Journalist, and a lot of my work's on there. Or if you're interested in anything that has to do with my own site that I just launched earlier this year that has not really taken off very well, uh, the Plug Sports, I do some stuff on there. We'll see what happens next with that, too. I actually, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. We'll see. Um, I might slowly keep uh, chugging along with that, but at the Plug Sports underscore on Twitter. Absolutely. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us. It was great talking to you as always. Uh, and I'm sure you and I and Eric, we're all going to be talking pretty soon here when winter sports gets going. For yep, sure. Thank you guys so much for having me. Eric, um, you know, this is a little strange for us because we recorded a closing for the show uh, on Monday when we recorded the other part of the show and including the interview with Brittany. Um, but you and I actually had to jump back on here Tuesday which is when we're recording this segment um, because our dear friend, Andy Liberta lost his battle with COVID-19. In the first recording, I know you and I asked for prayers. You and I didn't really know exactly how serious it was at the time. Um, But I think I got a text from Chile. I believe it was at like four 30 this morning, actually telling me that Andy had uh, indeed lost his battle. And uh, it's been a very sad very sad day um and it's your birthday so it's kind of been like one of those like happy and sad kind of things um but you know a lot of a lot of great tributes to andy he was a phenomenal human being a very good friend to to both of us he was a a co-worker with us for arizona varsity he did a tremendous job giving those schools out there in the southeast valley the schools that you know with the tribune we don't cover that far east or that far south um he did a great job for them the queen creeks the post and buttes the combs the santan foothills he did a tremendous job giving them a voice when not a lot of us other you know sports journalists did um he was huge for the community and uh he's definitely going to be missed yeah that was the thing about andy is that he just really lived um, in a way that, you know, really gave a lot of credence to those kids out there. Um, 
he knew everything about what was going on in that Queen Creek Santan area. Um, and for a lot of us that cover the Phoenix Metro, you're right. We just didn't get out there that much. Part of it was uh, just a driving distance. Part of it was the jobs and uh, the description. We don't necessarily cover that way. Um, but there was nobody who knew that area better than him. Uh, and no one who rooted harder for the kids to succeed out there better than him. I didn't know Andy super well. Um, I met him a few times. He was part of our team, uh, had a few short conversations with him. But what I always noticed was, you know, his passion for it and his passion for his family um, and his passion for everything he did. And there are there are a lot of people who use um, high school sports as a method to um as a, as basically a minor league um as a minor league to get to bigger stages bigger things and it seemed like Andy Liberta was someone who genuinely just loved his community and wanted to see good things happen out there to those kids and wanted to share the awesome stories of a community that's growing so quickly we saw Castile um, a team in Queen Creek go from um, a 3A team to a 6A, and that's just because the school's been expanding and everything like that. It was just, um, he was a genuine dude, and they're just in the world in general, we always need more of those people. Um, so he'll be missed. Yeah, you know, to Andy, covering high school sports was the major leagues. Yeah. That's kind of how he thought of it. He didn't think that it was a stepping stone. He thought it was his ultimate career goal and path and everything along those lines. Um, you know, it, it's just, you know, to to see the outpouring of support that, you know, has, has come about on Twitter today. I mean, you know, I, I posted something. I think you posted something. Um, not that, you know, obviously, you know, our opinion, you know, whatever, because there, there are people, any people who are actually very close to Andy, um, you know, Jordan Ham posted a, a tremendous tribute. Uh, Jared Cohen, another member of Arizona Varsity, posted a tremendous tribute on Twitter. Ralph Amsden, um, you know, the, the owner of Arizona Varsity and, you know, the, the head honcho for the most part, he posted a it it was a fantastic I was gonna say fabulous and I started to say fantastic it was both of those things um a very very good tribute to Andy and and I know they they, those two especially they were very very close um Brad Sesmat another friend of ours uh posted a a nice story then uh Jose Garcia who we've had on the show who does tremendous work for AZ preps he posted a very very nice story as well um Sandy Charles said something. Chili said something. Cody Cameron. I mean, Brett Quintine said that he doesn't usually get this sad unless someone truly matters to him. And, you know, I think that just goes to show that, you know, in the short time that I knew Andy, he made a tremendous impact, you know, on my life just as a friend. Um, And it's sad. It's sad, man. Um, You know, he wasn't able to be with his family, obviously, for one, you know, the the whole visitation limitations when it comes to hospitals because they're so full right now. But on the other hand, Kelly, his wife, has been in Kentucky battling her own health problems. Um, she needs a kidney transplant. And she went through, you know, other battles with her health just last year. So, you know, it's just a very, very sad situation. 
and is going to be missed. Um, you know, I think the last time I talked to him, I, I messaged him through Twitter and I told him how sad I was to see him, you know, leaving Arizona to go to Kentucky to be with his family. Obviously, it was more of a kind of bittersweet moment because he deserves to be with his family, obviously. Um, but I didn't want to see him go because of how much good he does for the community. And I told him that once all everything with the virus calms down, I want to go buy him a beer. And, you know, tonight when we get done with this and when we get done helping out Chili with his two-piece, I'm going to crack open a cold one in honor of Andy. Um, I don't really drink very often, but I think this is one of those occasions where I'm going to go ahead and do that because I know it was one thing that him and I wanted to do together. I wanted to buy him a beer, like I said, and uh, I know that he'll keep a cold one on deck for me when I see him, you know, later on down the line. So There is... Uh, and I said this when we were talking the last time we had to, like you said, re-record this. Um, there are a community of us that cover high school sports on the regular uh, basis in Arizona. And there's, I don't, I don't want to necessarily put a number to it, but there's, you know, kind of a, a group that you see the same faces at a lot of the sidelines. And it changes by sport and everything too, but especially in football, like when you come to the big games and everything like that, um, you, you see these people and it kind of becomes a little bit of a family in a way. Um, and a lot of people support each other, care about each other's work, read each other's work, help each other out. And that's been no more apparent than this podcast, uh, the amount of people who have been willing to take time out of the day to answer our stupid questions. Um, but what really stuck out to me was how many of those people um, Andy might not have even known um, cared about him and um, wished him well and are sorry to see him gone. Um, it's really crazy to see because we don't get much time. I know a lot of us are busy with our work and um, our lives and everything. And especially with COVID, it's not like we spend a lot of time all hanging out or anything. Um, how much a lot of us appreciate each other and we don't get to say that enough. So, um, yeah, to see that was heartwarming, uh, bittersweet. Yeah, definitely bittersweet. Um, cause I think it shows how close we are, like kind of like what you mentioned. Um, but I mean, you know, e even, I mean, just people, the amount of people that even replied just to my tweet saying how great of a guy he was like, you don't know how many people you truly impact until, unfortunately, something like this happens. Um, but, you know, I can just tell, tell everyone off of firsthand experience that Andy was a huge part in the Arizona varsity team. And um, we're all going to miss him a ton. I mean, it has not been an easy day. I talked to Ralph um, this morning, actually, and... You know, he he was mad. He was sad. Um, he, you know, in true Ralph fashion, wanted to take his anger out on someone. But obviously, you know, he didn't do that. Um, but that's just how I think whenever someone experiences a loss like this, I think that's kind of the immediate reaction is kind of just say like, oh, well, you know, why does this happen? All that stuff. And, you know, you get angry, which, you know. When my grandfather passed away from Alzheimer's, I was angry. I'll be honest. Um, 
you know, we saw it coming. And, you know, obviously with Andy, we didn't see this coming because, you know, who knew that a virus would literally take over our lives at this point? Um, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just a really sad situation. He's going to be missed. I miss him already. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just I, I think the most important thing is that he's no longer suffering. Because if it, you know, obviously you, we always hear the stories about how these, you know, patients that have COVID-19 pass away. And, you know, a lot of them, it's it's literally, you know, just trying to gasp for air. And that's that's no way to, I don't know, at least he's not suffering as, as long as he's not in pain. Um, you know, that's kind of one thing to that's a very small silver lining to all of this, I guess you can say. Yeah, the. The last thing, I mean, we could go on for a long time um, and we could talk about all the different memories and everything, but the thing is, it's sad. Um, there's no other way to deal with it than to just uh, let ourselves be sad about this and remember him as much as we can. Um, so RIP Andy, will uh, you won't be forgotten. No, definitely won't be forgotten.